welcome to Lent. Woo! My favorite time of the year. It really is. It really is my favorite time of the year. Um, I, I love Lent. It's, uh, it's a time of reorientation to, I think, who we are as people individually and reorienting ourselves as a uh, collective community and global church. It's a time for self-examination. Lent season each year always starts with the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. We're going through the Gospel of Matthew this year, so we have the Matthew version of that. Um, all three of the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, involve this story. Actually, Luke, ju- I mean, uh, Mark, I think, just has like two verses on it. He just mentions that he was uh, tempted. But all three synoptic Gospels uh, tell this story. So as we enter this, the season of Lent, uh, Lent is, um, if this is like your first time going through the liturgical calendar, Lent is kind of a weird word in some ways uh, to think about. Uh, but it's, it simply means the preparation for the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's a 40 days leading up to Easter, and it just signifies this preparation that we go through. Um, it's preparation through fasting, which we will get into in today's text. Uh, you might have seen some people walking around this week forehead. If you were brave enough to come on uh, Wednesday night and let me put ash on your forehead, then you know you know what I'm talking about. But it's this time for us to reflect on who we are as people in order to, um, in hopes that it manifests a deeper and richer love uh, for our neighbor, our co-worker, our husbands, our wives, our enemies. Um, so let's go ahead and get into it. Matthew uh, 4, uh, starting in verse 1. I'm reading from the message this morning. It says, Next, Jesus was taken into the wild by the Spirit for the test. Ooh, Jesus taken into the wild by who? The Spirit. What a, what a weird way to open a story. Um, I mentioned on Wednesday that this, the experience of Lent and the idea that Matthew chapter 4 starts out with is one that was not really invited into the Christian tradition that I grew up with, you know, going in high school, living in high school uh, in Texas. Uh, the experience that one could be taken into the wild by God and the implications of what that means is not really welcomed into the Christian discussion. Um, you, you always had to be happy. You always had to be polite. And many versions of Christianity don't allow for the conversation around the difficult things in life. And I think Lent really opens uh, opens the door to for a church to have the conversations about life struggles. I think our church, obviously we are pretty open here, so we don't really have as much of that struggle, but uh, Lent is uh, an opportunity for this conversation to be had amongst people. And I think this verse really signifies that door opening You know, Jesus, I mean, the Lord's Prayer says, you know, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. But that's really kind of hard to reconcile whenever we think about the Spirit leading Jesus in the wilderness to be tempted. If not to be tempted directly, but to experience something that we have all experienced uh, in the wild sometime in our lives. Right? Let's continue. 
the devil was ready to give it. Jesus prepared for the test by fasting 40 days, 40 nights. That left him, of course, in a state of extreme hunger, which the devil took advantage of in the first test. Since you are God's son, speak the word that will, that will turn these stones into loaves of bread. Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy, it takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. Like last week, uh, I mentioned that uh, many of the stories that Matthew uses will mirror stories in Genesis or mirror stories in the Old Testament. So in this story, uh, you might notice the, the parallel of Jesus being led out into the wilderness for 40 days. Uh, Matthew chapter 4 follows the baptism narrative. So just as Jesus is uh, raised from the waters of baptism, he then goes out into the wilderness for 40 days. Just like the Israelites through the waters of the Red Sea, they then are spent uh, time wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Uh, Matthew is very uh, mindful to make these connections uh, and the fact that sometimes God leads us into the wilderness. So Jesus fasts 40 days, 40 nights. Woo! Uh, but there's a clue in here of what this preparation does for him. I think when I read this story, maybe in years past, I kind of thought, like Jesus fasting 40 days is kind of like it makes it sort of a fair fight between him but that's not a good interpretation at all um, that this fasting that he does for 40 days is in preparation preparation for for what it's preparation so that God's wisdom can teach some, Jesus something new and so as we enter the season of Lent as a season of fasting I think that's helpful to keep in mind that okay what is the purpose of fasting. It is for us to be filled with something else. We kind of empty our bodies as a symbol and a uh, signifier that we will then be filled with something of God. Right? Jesus, clarity, peace, wisdom. Um, the Desert Fathers, I mentioned this on Wednesday as well, the Desert Fathers and Mothers in the 300s did this uh, very explicitly where uh, Rome had taken over Christianity had become uh, a from a persecuted religion. It had become the, the religion of the empire. It had become the ruling, um, violent religion that everyone had to then participate in. And so the Desert Fathers and Mothers threw off all of the trappings of empire, went out into the wilderness, and they mirrored this time of 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. Uh, you might be familiar of concept of giving up something for Lent. Has anybody ever heard of this? A few people? Uh, giving up something for Lent reflects this. Giving up chocolate or Coke or something like that. Um, but it is for a purpose beyond the fact of you know, giving up Coke will make you uh, holier, healthier or something. Uh, in Isaiah, we find a clue to uh, what the purpose is of fasting. This is God speaking in Isaiah chapter 58. This is the kind of fast that I'm after, to break the chains of injustice, to get rid of exploitation in the workplace, to free the oppressed, to cancel debts. This is what I'm interested in seeing you do, sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on and your lives will your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. 
you'll call out for help, and I will say, here I am. So fasting isn't just something we do because we're religious or pious or because Lent tells us that we should fast. If you're fasting for that reason, uh, it's pretty pointless. It's only to break the chains of injustice, to open ourselves up to the people that maybe we weren't open up to before. Like Jesus in this narrative, we live between these voices every day. And I think this is one big takeaway from the text, uh, is that Jesus is fasting in order to become more in tune with God's wisdom, while Satan is the voice of the wisdom of this world. And I think, you know, you look at the first temptation. Jesus hasn't eaten for 40 days, and the devil comes along and just says, well, here's some, here's some bread, right? That's not, a, that's not a weird thing to propose, right? Like a guy that's like, if, if Ryan said, uh, if I had gone 40 days and Ryan was like, uh, you might want to eat a burger or something, I wouldn't, I wouldn't then be like, get away from me, Satan. <laughs> like that, that's kind of not a weird uh, suggestion that Jesus should uh, turn stones into bread so that he could eat just because he hasn't eaten for 40 days. Um, but I think that is pretty indicative to our lives. We're usually not faced with things that are either all good or all bad. We live in a world of competing voices, choices, uh, that weirdly rhymes, um, <laughs> uh, that we have to make decisions uh, between the narratives that, um, that we pay attention to. Um, so by the time Matthew was written in the 80s, uh, this, is also, this story also mirrors uh, the story of Adam and Eve. So the devil uh, in uh, this story is kind of uh, reflective in the writing of uh, the serpent in the story of Adam and Eve. And Jesus then responds to the voice of temptation in a different way than Adam and Eve responded to the voice of temptation. And he does it by quoting Deuteronomy. And all of the quotes that Jesus responds to in the three texts are all quotes of uh, wisdom from Deuteronomy. So they're not some uh, moralistic teachings, but they're uh, a wisdom interpretation, a, a sign of living in tune with God, living in the rhythm of God. Um, let's continue. Verse 5. For the second test, the devil took him to the holy city. He sat him on top of the temple and said, Since you are God's son, jump. The devil goaded him by quoting Psalm uh, 91. He has placed you in the care of angels. They will catch you so that you won't so much as stub your toe on a stone. Jesus countered with another citation from Deuteronomy. Don't you dare test the Lord your God. So the, here, here the devil is testing uh, what? Jesus' identity. He's testing who he is. He says, if you were God's son, which is exactly who uh, God said Jesus was right before Matthew 4. So Jesus comes out of the baptism, uh, out, out of the water, and uh, the voice from heaven says, uh, you are my beloved son. And so right here, a few verses later, the devil says, oh, if you're God's son, questioning his identity. Um, we have a lot of voices in our, in our lives every day that question our identity. He says, if you are really that beloved, Jesus, let's see. Let's see. If you're really that special, go on. Do you really have angels surrounding you? 
jump. These are maybe voices uh, you're familiar with. Have you ever read God's promises in the Bible and questioned whether or not they were for you? This is the test here. The conflicting voices in our world that try to create an anxiety about who we are and what our identity is in the world. One of the fundamental questions I think of Lynn is, who am I to be in the world? Are we primarily to see ourselves as people created in the image of God? Love for being who we are as human beings, not for what we do. You are loved for who you are. I think it's, it's easy to be anxious in our world today. There's a lot of things going on uh, that create anxiety. Uh, it's a very common narrative for uh, us as Western people, people living in the United States, to be anxious. We always have an appointment to make. We always have something to do. There's a 24-hour news cycle. You get tons of notifications uh, for everything uh, that anyone in our government now says on your phone. There's a lot of things to be anxious about. Uh, one of the competing narratives, I think, the wisdom uh, literature that Jesus gets into uh, all throughout the Gospel of Matthew is to be anti-anxious, to not be anxious. Uh, Jesus says in another part of Matthew, uh, who can add an inch to their life by being says later, look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more to God than birds. If God gives you such attention, this is later, to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never seen, don't you think God will attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting you can respond to God's giving. To not be anxious in the world. It's a very different story than, uh, than a lot of the voices in our lives, or a lot of the temptations in our lives. Look at verse 8. For the third test, the devil took him to the peak of a huge mountain. He gestured expansively, pointing out all of the earth's kingdoms and how glorious they all were. And then he said, they're yours. Lock, stock, and barrel. Just go down on your knees, worship me, and they're yours. Jesus' refusal was curt. Beat it, Satan. He backed his rebuke with the third quotation from Deuteronomy. Worship the Lord your God, and only him. Serve him with absolute single-heartedness. The test was over, the devil left, and in his place, angels. Angels came and took care of Jesus' final test that Jesus is put through by the devil is one of how to use his power, or misuse his power, if you will. I think as Americans, it's uh, an important question for us to be able to answer this morning and in our time that we find ourselves in, as we are given constant choices about how we are to use our power and influence. How do we spend our time? How do we spend our money? How do we use our voice and language? Uh, I heard someone say this week that money is the greatest story ever told. It's a story. It's a story that allowed 
uh, the earliest humans to interact, to trade. Um, I, I've heard it said that whenever um, ISIS goes in and, and raids a, a bank or raids a place, uh, they burn everything except the money. Money, in many ways, is the greatest story ever told. It's one in which we all participate in. It's a narrative that we all believe in. narrative. It's just one story that we all live by. It's not necessarily all good or all bad, but that's the story that's being put before us today. Things that aren't all good or all bad. It's something that we have to be mindful of. A more expensive car is better, right? A bigger house is better, right? A larger 401k is better, right? It's a narrative story that we hear all the time, every commercial. I hate those Ford truck commercials. Oh, I cannot stand those Ford truck commercials. The one is like, yeah, you need an F450. It's about doing. The title of those commercials are, it's about doing things. It's about doing things. That's a narrative. We are bombarded all the time with stories that infiltrate our, our lives that characterize who we are and I think those uh, many times find themselves in direct conflict with the anti-anxiety message of the gospel of Jesus one that says you are loved you are cared for you don't need anything you are loved for who you are separation like within culture of like if you're um, without a home then you are somehow less than or if you uh, are without a uh, spouse or fill in the blank that somehow you are separate from a from the rest of society but I would I would probably say that every everyone has um, some form of sep- like feeling of separation even if you have a husband or a wife or a large 401k or a big house, uh, that doesn't mean the feeling of separation is gone. That uh, all of that is 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 a myth.
pinnacle of whatever their field is or career, and after they get to that point of success, they don't really know what to do. Right? They've, they've kind of attained everything that they felt like society told them to attain, and then they feel like an extreme potential. I think it's I think that's part of the human experience and a paradox that we all have to wrestle with and, uh, and the tension that we have to live in, that we are not striving for external things, which is part of, I think, in like a cultural anxiety that we're, you know, sort of ingrained, ingrained in this stupidity. So, um, I mean, these narratives are fairly familiar. I mean, um, if we, uh, if, you know, he says, if you can have, uh, you can have this power, Jesus, you know, here's your position, uh, you know, what are you going to do? You have sayings for this. Um, make your money while you can. Um, take advantage of the, of the system. Um, there's no substitute for success or hard work. Uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. God, God, this one's great. God help those who help themselves. These are all narratives, right? They're just, they're sad stories. Um, and Jesus is facing this temptation in the wilderness, uh, fasting in order to find a sense of clarity amongst the competing stories. Is Jesus going to live by God's wisdom or the wisdom of the many narratives, the many temptations that we are, are faced with? Walter Brueggemann says, it is only faith that requires entering the danger zone where our lives are at risk. In Lent, we, we in many ways, uh, take this time to face the danger in our lives, to not hide from it, to not ignore it, but to enter the danger zone in many ways, while recognizing that some of us um, already feel like we, we live in faith. We are taken into the wild to listen to the wisdom of God. When we are in the wild, we have the assurance that the Spirit goes with us. I think that's an important thing to remember in this story, that the Spirit leads Jesus, takes Jesus out into the wilderness, but the Spirit doesn't leave Jesus. At the end of this, it says that the angels came and took care of his needs. That when we enter the wilderness, whatever that is, it's going to look different for all of us, but that Spirit is with us. The angels are there to minister to us. Lent is fasting and it's preparation. It's a recharge for our lives. It reorients us to the wisdom that fasting leads us to a life of sharing our food, inviting the homeless, putting clothes on the hill, and being available to the needs of our, our friends, our family, the people around us, our community. So this morning as we close, I want to uh, I want to pose a, a question that uh, you know what do we want to let go of uh, during this season? It might be just even letting go of letting go of something for now. If you if you're one that has practiced Lent a lot or has come from a Christian background that has been very adamant that you always give up something and you need to do this and it needs to be a pious then maybe you're giving up something is giving up needing to give up something, right? What should we let go of? What do we let go of over the next 30 days? 
uh, to just pray over this. What does God want me to let go of? And is it different than, than maybe what I want to let go of? Um, as we enter the next 40 days uh, into the wilderness together, may we be present with each other, may we be encouraging, and may we remember that the Spirit is with us in the gospel narrative up a little bit more. We just need to accomplish this and we'll be alright. And you say, how can you